Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. You're listening to Absurdity with Ryan Becker the podcast where we embrace the absurdity of everything. From here, we can move conversations forward by learning how to communicate effectively, listen intently, and love patiently. Welcome to Absurdity. Hey guys, welcome to this special episode of Absurdity. And the reason I say it is special is because today is my birthday. So I turned 25 um, as of just a few hours ago that I'm recording this. And I wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit um, out of the ordinary for this podcast. Um, and th- the reason I say that is because today is going to be a little bit more unscripted. And um, normally, my solo episodes are all usually scripted, but today they're not. And the reason being, I just want to kind of speak from where I'm at. And I'm not really addressing anything that needs to be handled incredibly sensitively. So I'm okay as far as script or versus non-script. But uh, first things first, today is also Groundhog's Day. So if you haven't figured out that, yes, my birthday is on Groundhog's Day. And the best part about my birthday being today, um, completely unrelated to Groundhog's Day, but is that I can finally rent a car and not be charged almost double to do so, which is fantastic news. It is really frustrating at 24 years old to rent a car and be told that you have to pay almost $20, $30 extra just to drive a car because you were born, um, you know, just a few days later. So really happy to now have uh, the ability to rent a car at fair and normal prices as the rest of the world. Also, I'm pretty sure my car insurance goes down just in general, which is also fantastic because I would love to pay less for my car insurance. I know entire families that pay less for their entire car insurance plan and policy than I do as a single adult male. So fantastic news for me all around. Those are my birthday gifts from the world, from society, and I thank society um, a lot for it. So today I want to talk about um, kind of something that can be leveled, a criticism that can be leveled against me. 
Uh, it hasn't necessarily happened to my face, though maybe it's happened behind the scenes, um, which is this. My podcast tends to be a little bit critical of uh, church, and in many cases, uh, sometimes the, the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so I want to talk about that. I want to address that a little bit. That way, to anyone who does criticize me, I can just send them right back to this episode, and they can uh, figure it out. They can talk about it, they can listen to it, and they can understand exactly um, where I'm coming from. So today I want to talk to you about two things. Number one, um, the right or privilege to criticize the church, uh, and number two, why I am a Seventh-day Adventist, why I follow this uh, kind of faith tradition, why I'm a part of this denomination, and why I have, why I have chosen to serve in uh, a career format in this denomination. So, first things first, let's talk about the right or privilege of criticism. Now, uh, to some extent, I would agree with the claim that you really shouldn't bite the hand that feeds, right? Um, This is the denomination that I get a paycheck from uh, to pastor. This is the denomination that I have grown up in and been a part of, and and am very much a product of its education systems and, and, and otherwise. So, um, I, to some extent, I understand why people would say, hey, you really shouldn't bite the hand that feeds, right? Like, you shouldn't criticize a church that's given you so much and, and that, that you work for. And so I, I can understand that. I can definitely understand that perspective. But there, there becomes a—there's a problem when we take the attitude that says, hey, you can't criticize the church that you belong to. You can't criticize the organization that you belong to. Um, it, it, here's, here's, here's kind of where, where I stand with this, right? I see it similar to, um, something like nationalism or, you know, overt patriotism that says you can't criticize the government. Um, if you can't criticize something and I don't mean criticize just to call something out and leave it there, right. To complain and, uh, and that's it. Um, when I say criticize, I mean both, uh, point out a problem and provide some sort of solution or alternate alternative direction to walk in, right? So when I say criticism, I'm talking about constructive criticism, which is something I always try to do, but I recognize fully that I can fall short sometimes. So this idea that we can't criticize the, our, our, our institutions and our system, the problems that lie in it, it basically means that we end up turning a blind eye to what are actual problems, right? So there are some real weak points with the church as a system. It's inability to uh, fight for the individual because the system has to survive, right? Um, when a church becomes in, becomes institutionalized, it becomes more about protecting the institution than it does about the individuals within it. Um, and that's, you know, that I'm not saying that that's a problem necessarily. I'm just saying, like, that's reality, um, when when an institution has to protect and serve so many individuals, then fighting for just one becomes um, a problem. Um, you can't use the same amount of resources for every single person, and sometimes you have to cut losses. So I get it. Um, but we can't turn a blind eye to what are real, systemic, institutionalized issues in our church. So I've talked about a few. I've talked about racism, Right. I've talked about fostering dependency, which is something that churches do, and it's not necessarily an institutional, um, institutionally driven problem, but it is a problem that many pastors and churches face and, 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 and take part in without even realizing it. I talk about our miracle culture um, back in season two when we were still doing seasons. 
Um, there, there are a lot of real problems that cause a lot of damage, right? If we just pretend like there's no uh, abusers in the church, if we just pretend like there's no rapists in the church, sexual assaults, um, issues and cases in the church, if we, if we don't, if we don't recognize and address the fact that there are abuses of power in the church, that there are examples of terrible and poor leadership in the church, if we don't address these issues then all they do is they grow and they fester and they turn into something even worse and even more monstrous. And I forget who who says this quote, but um, the quote that says, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have all the answers, nor am I going to say that I know what all the problems are, or even that the problems I point out um, are always as... um, always as significant as I make them out to be. Uh, Maybe I'm blowing things out of proportion. This is a podcast that talks about my perspective, my opinions, and tries to gather the opinions and perspectives of other people as well. And yes, I try to bring in facts when it's totally relevant. um, And I do a lot of research before I record many of my episodes. But hey, sometimes uh, when it comes down to what do you think, uh, it becomes a matter of opinions and perspectives. And sometimes that can come from a place of faulty motivation or a place of faulty uh, thinking and, and misunderstanding. Because ultimately, from uh, I hate to use the phrase way down here, but honestly, from way down here on the, on the local church level, um, it becomes very hard to see what's going on on the macro level of church government or the system as it relates to the entire world. Heck, even as it relates to our denomination on a um, on a state and conference level or a union level or a division level, right? Um, you just don't understand because you're not a part of these conversations that happen at these levels. I'm not in executive committees like that. I'm not in the president's office when they talk about what to do with some of this stuff. So I, you know, I get it. Sometimes it comes from a place that just doesn't understand what's going on. But that doesn't mean that I want to stay silent. And if there is a potential problem, then I believe it's important for us to talk about them. And so what I'm trying to do with absurdity, what I'm trying to do in my churches, what I'm trying to do in my life in general, is to create space for the conversations to happen about those things. Because I I think that Jesus did call us a light, uh, you know, a city on a hill and and a light, right? And a light to the world. And a light shines into the darkness and it erases it. So if we are going to be a light, then we need to find those places that are in darkness, even in our own church, and shine a light on them. It gets rid of shame. It gets, it gets rid of um, underhanded dealings and, and nefarious motivations and, and things that happen. If we would just shine a light on what's going on and provide people the space to share what they've experienced and to deal with it. When someone comes to me and says, hey, look, because of something that happened in the church, I have a friend who's committed suicide, or I have a friend um, that will not talk to people anymore, right? Um, I get it. I sympathize with them. I don't empathize because I, I, I haven't been there. You know, I, I, I haven't experienced that. But when someone does experience something like that, um, I'm not going to tell them, oh, well, you know, you just overreacted. Because even, let's say someone's friend did commit suicide because of something that happened to them in the church or something that happened to their family in the church. Even if it was an overreaction, which I have a hard time claiming under any circumstances, but even if it was an overreaction, um, it's too late. (laughs) What is is your overreacting going to do to solve this problem? 
right? So instead of looking at the solution, instead of looking at what has happened, um, let's and saying, oh well, oh well, too bad. Um, let's look forward and try to find out exactly what um, we can do to keep these things from happening again and to ha- from happening to anyone else. Um, I remember I was just reading on Twitter uh, last night. Someone shared um, a link to. Uh, an article and and basically that said that um, the church is one of the worst places to go for victims of abuse um, and especially for um, sexual abuse and sexual assault. And I get it. Um, churches are woefully unequipped to de- or ill-equipped to deal with these sort of issues. Um, we need to be quicker to refer people to mental health specialists instead of trying to be those ourselves, unless we actually are those specialists. I know of some pastors and some chaplains that have uh, their master's degrees, uh, even PhDs in mental health counseling and things like that. So um, there are some cases where that's that's fine. But for the most part, we need to be wise about staying in our lane when it comes to dealing with some of our issues and to thinking that there's a solution in our minds when we have no idea what that person is actually dealing with and we, have n- we don't have the tools to find out what that person is actually dealing with. So when we talk about criticism, I really want to be clear. Um, I believe that to be able to criticize effectively, there needs to be two things that happen. Number one, you point out a problem that is clear uh, and understandable. And two, um, you provide some sort of solution or suggestions for improvement to try and change it. Um, I think that those two things demonstrate a heart for um, what's going on. Now, sometimes there there are moments where you just say, I don't know what the solution is here, but I know this is a problem and we need to keep talking about it. We need to keep it on the table because otherwise it will continue to grow and fester and we will not be paying attention to it. So uh, there are some times where you just don't know, but to complain from just complaining sake, um, that is the wrong type of criticism. And that's the type of criticism that I avoid. And now there are some people that would look at me and they would say, or they would look at this podcast, they would listen to the things I say, look at the tweets I make or the Facebook posts I do, and they would say, how dare you? You shouldn't criticize at all. That's not okay. Like, this is God's church, all that good stuff. All right, look, I get the place that you're coming from, but most of Jesus's time in ministry was spent criticizing the current institution. In fact, most of the times that he talked to religious people, already religious people, was um, like the priests and the Pharisees and and Sadducees, right? Most of the time, he was criticizing them. And what I find interesting is that he would, instead of giving them the solution, he would just do the solution, right? He would do what was he was supposed to do. He would demonstrate it before their very eyes. Now, because I'm on a podcast, I don't have really the ability to do that, but... Um, I, I, you know, Jesus spent most of his time criticizing. In fact, most of the the job of a prophet in the Old Testament, um, it is far, far, far um, the minority that um, spend their time um, predicting the future or interpreting visions and dreams in the sense of this is how the future will play out. It is very, very few of the prophets that do this, um, and when they do it, when they do this. Um, it is um, the minority of their job. Most of their job is calling God's people to repentance and to forgiveness. They're calling God's people who've walked away from God back to him. In other words, they are criticizing 
what God's people are doing, and they're saying you need to stop, turn around, and come back to God, because what you're doing is not right. There is no place in the church's history where turning a blind eye to the problems in the church was okay. There is there's no time in Israel's history, in God's people's history, where turning a blind eye to the problems that were happening was okay. Now, here's the other thing that people will say when I give that explanation. Well, you're not a prophet and you're not Jesus. Correct. You are absolutely right. And I'd never want to be called a prophet unless God himself comes down, gives me the call to be a prophet, and begins that work, right? Um, I don't want to be called a prophet, and I'm not Jesus. I get that, which is why I've already stated that um, sometimes I'm wrong, and sometimes I blow things out of proportion. It just happens on occasion, and I get it. Like, it's fine. I'm human, and I'm fallible. But if we're going to live like Jesus did, if we're going to try to be like Christ— Um, then in the same way we try to love our neighbors, in the same way we try to love God, um, we should also love our church in the way that Christ loved it. And Christ loved it enough to hold it accountable. And so that is some of, that is what I try to do. Once again, doesn't mean I'm always right. Doesn't mean I always do it with the right attitude. And sometimes it comes from a place of cynicism and hurt um, because of things I've experienced or because of frustrations that I've seen within people that I know. I get it. Um, and I recognize that and I do my best to minimize that. Um, it's part of why, um, any solo episode with the exception of this one, because this one is being recorded unscripted. Um, any episode that I record that is just me is almost fully scripted. Um, and I don't necessarily read word for word what's on the screen, but I do it because I want to make sure that I have time to write out all of my thoughts, process them and figure out where I'm at and go from there. Um, I try to um, be very, very intentional with the words I choose, with the way that I say things, the tone that I take, all of that. Uh, Every solo episode, even if it's only 30, 40 minutes, takes me probably somewhere between four and five hours to complete, from writing to edit and uh, upload time. So this is something I take very seriously. And um, it's not the, the criticisms that I level are not meant to be um, just flippant ones that I make carelessly. Rather, they are meant to be intentional, and I always try to drive us towards some sort of solutions or, um, or practical applications that we can do afterwards. So that's what I'm going to say about criticism. That's what I'm going to say about uh, my role as someone who does criticize, because I do. Um, and it, 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 it is walking a fine line between criticism and cynicism and being driven by my cynicism. So uh, it's, a, well, it's a line I'll continue to toe, uh, because I do believe there are a lot of problems that we have to address and deal with, and I want to create space for us to talk about them. So let's shift into part two of this episode, of the special birthday episode, which is why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, some of you that listen to this might not know my story, that I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. I was born and raised. My grandfather on my mom's side was a pastor, both in Cuba and here, which basically means that uh, anywhere I go where I see a Cuban, uh, chances are I'm either related to them or I uh, know them. My, they know my family somehow. This is just Cuba was a, Cuba's a small place, and Cubans tend to know each other. Um, my grandfather was actually involved in planting and, and, and leading several churches in the Central Florida area, um, several Spanish churches, so I also have roots there. Um, 
So I was born and raised Seventh-day Adventist, went through the traditional route of Adventist schools in and churches in the Orlando, Florida area, all the way up through Southern Adventist University with a degree in theology in 2015, right? So um, I've always been in this church, technically. I never left. I never switched denominations. I never, um, you know, I never stopped necessarily believing in God. But there were times, just like most others, where I was very bitter with the system, uh, very anti-system, very uh, Jesus over religion, um, you know, that kind of attitude. And I say it with that kind of inflection and that sarcastic tone because um, it's just a, a normal thing that's said. Uh, everyone kind of says it. I'm, I'm for spirituality. I'm for spirituality and not, not religion. Um, and I get that. I definitely get that view, and I empathize with it a lot. And, to, and there's a lot of merit to it. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it's the... Um, the right stance to take anymore. Um, but I took that for a while. I was very angry. I was very bitter with the system. And there are times where I still am um, because of things that I see happen and, and blatant corruption that I see happen. So um, definitely understand that. But ultimately, I decided to become an Adventist. I decided to stay Adventist. I was baptized when I was 14. Um, but I really didn't investigate and look into my views until probably late high school, early college. Um, because in high school, I had my senior year of high school, I had several terrible things happen. Um, I'm not going to go into all of the details on this episode because I don't want this to be a depressing episode, but there were several things that happened in my life that you can ask me about and I will openly sit, talk about them um, that really caused me to have to investigate my faith and figure out exactly what I believed. And that really put my faith to the test. And one of the, one of the, the, the sayings, the statements that I made that got me through it was, um, if I'm only going to believe in God when things are good, then maybe I didn't really believe in him to begin with. And that kind of motivated me to keep my faith in him and to trust him uh, and to see where exactly all of this was going to go and where, it was, where he was going to lead. And so there was a big lesson in trust and in faith for me. But I will tell you, the three major doctrines of the Seventh-day Adventist Church that have kept me here, that are the reason that I stay here, are, number one, the Sabbath, um, the emphasis on rest and personal health. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about the health message here, though I think that's important to some extent, um, but I'm specifically talking about the um, the intentionality that the Sabbath calls you to live with, um, and the idea that um, that the Sabbath was never changed to Sunday. Uh, Sunday is not um, the Sabbath day, and... Um, you know, I don't really see evidence in Scripture that it was ever moved. Um, it is a purely historical change that was done by um, by the state or the nation state of Rome, the uh, the Empire of Rome, as well as um, the Pope. So this was a Catholic and um, and historical movement, not a scriptural and biblical movement. So that's kind of where I am with the Sabbath um, in a nutshell. Number two, the second thing that keeps me here is our, our views on the state of the dead, which is that when you die, you die. Um, you're asleep, um, and I don't mean asleep like dreaming and breathing, but like you're actually dead, you're laying in the ground, no one immediately goes up to heaven, and no one immediately goes down to hell. Um, so our views on that, um, which basically means that we don't believe in the immortality of the soul, um, the idea that the soul outlives the body in that in, 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 um in any respect, um, which means that if you don't believe in the immortality of the soul, part two comes into this, which is um, Adventists tend to be, and I don't know exactly how much we would label, we would ally ourselves with or align ourselves with um, the full annihilationist movement um, and an idea of theology, but we are, we basically do believe in annihilationism, which basically states that 
Uh, the final judgment and hell is not an eternal torture and torment, but rather it is an eternal second death, right? So when, when the wicked, the evil and wicked are judged and thrown into the lake of fire, which we do believe is a literal hell, um, they are burned and they die. They are not tormented for eternity. Um, now, part of the reasons that I subscribe to this is because, yeah, we don't believe in the immortality of the soul, and the only ones that eternal life is promised to in Scripture are those who believe in Jesus Christ, right? John 3, 16, um, that those who would believe in him would have everlasting life. Um, if you are being everlasting, uh, if, you, if you are being tormented forever, um, then you are immortal, and uh, you don't die. So there's a problem with that. Um, only those who... Um, have accepted Jesus Christ, have accepted that sacrifice and believe in it, are the ones who are promised eternal life. Now, that's not the reason I necessarily subscribe to annihilationism, but that's one of them. Um, but I, I do believe that it is a picture of a much more um, loving God. It is a picture of the God that I um, prefer to follow. And I know that sounds bad. It's because it's unscripted. This is why I script out my episodes. Um, I'm not just looking for a God that I like necessarily, but when I look at Scripture, when I look at the holistic picture of who God is throughout all of Scripture, um, the view that those that are evil die are the one, is the view that tends to be more in line with the way that God handles humanity, um, the way that God handles people and um, our world throughout all of Scripture. So that's that's kind of where um, I land on those two. But those are the big three. And, and what I find interesting is there's literally nowhere else I can go. There's no other denomination out there. There's nowhere else I can go that has those big three. Um, every other denomination has the Jesus Christ doctrine. Everyone else, for the most part, has the uh, Trinity doctrine. And so there's there's a lot of doctrines that overlap, which means that I can walk into pretty much any church and be okay with what's being taught for the most part. There might be a couple things that I disagree with, but it's no big deal. Um, but those are the big three. There's nowhere else for me to go. This is home because of what I believe. This is where I can find community with people who believe the same things that I do. This is the denomination that I can call home because it's where I belong. It's where my faith belongs, and it's where my beliefs make me line up. And so, look, if I've got no other choice than to be here, then I'm going to do the best that I can to make things better and to make things great. Now, I love the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, like I said, I'm a product of it. I, I love being grown up. I love the people that I've met here. Um, I love the friends that I have. I absolutely love the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I love its emphasis on the uh, second coming of Jesus. I love its emphasis on um, following God and living your life in an intentional way, rather than just saying, I'm saved by grace, which gives me permission to do pretty much whatever I want. Uh, I love um, the Adventist Church's views on this. Now, I do think that it does toe a line, um, and sometimes there are a lot of believers, there are a lot of faithful Adventists that that fall too far on the legalistic side of living too intentionally. And I think there are those that, and I probably err on this side, or tend to err on this side, those who fall on the other side of that line and live their life without enough intentionality. So, um, but that that that's why I'm Adventist. Right, I, I because of my beliefs line up with this denomination's beliefs, and so this makes the most sense for me. Or this is what make this is where it makes the most sense for me to be. Um, I love the Seventh Day Adventist Church. 
I um, absolutely am, am privileged and honored to be serving God in this denomination. And while I do not agree with every single thing that has ever come out of the Adventist um, doctrines or Adventist beliefs, what I love is that Adventism does not subscribe to a creed. In fact, if you go and look up our 28 fundamental beliefs, you'll find in the preamble, and I want to thank David Ashrick for pointing this out to me because I forgot about it, um, but in the preamble, it says that these are subject to change, basically, right? That, that we are um, always being revealed more and more about who God is in ways that we've been wrong and ways that we should correct ourselves and be right. Um, even our, our starting place in Adventism starts from a place of we don't have it all figured out either, and we're trying to as well. So really a big fan of that. But there you go. That is why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, because of, those, um, because of those main doctrines. Now, obviously, all of this is with the foundation of Jesus Christ is Savior alone. We are saved by faith. We are saved by grace um, because he forgives our sins, right? So that's where I'm at faith-wise. That's all the presuppositions that I start with when I talk about why I'm Adventist is because I blanket believe those regardless. So if there's anyone who wants to claim that I don't, I just said I do. Um, and I try to live my life in a way that reflects that. But there you go. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Absurdity, for being a part of this community with me. We are at episode 20.5 today, and next week will be episode 21. And really excited for that one. I hope you'll check that one out. It is another solo episode uh, where I talk about one of the ways that we have uh, created a hole in our church culture um, that has forced out one of the um, biggest social groups that we and, and people groups that we um, are currently encountering in this century. So um, stick around for that on Monday at noon Eastern time. That episode will release. And just to let you know, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. Make an account. And if you are more, um, if you are appreciative of what I'm doing here or just want to send me a birthday gift, that's the way to do it. Um, go ahead and subscribe there uh, and donate. Even just a dollar would mean the world to me. All my patrons get episodes a week in advance, and I'm working on some merchandise and some other things that can go out to our patrons as well. Thank you so much. You can subscribe to us on iTunes um, or any other podcatching app. And um, looking forward to seeing where absurdity goes this year in 2018. And I'm looking forward to seeing how God leads uh, me in my 25th year of life. Um, I guess actually it'd be 26th year of life, but thank you so much for being a part of, um, being a part of my life, being a part of this journey with me and let's see where absurdity leads. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.